0: Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Harrington as he shares this week's message. Hey, it's so good to be back with you. Thank you for allowing us to get back. We went back to Illinois to, to do a wedding for my niece, as well as just see Jake and Lorenda uh, see their new home and uh celebrate them for a while many of you heard jake was in a really terrible accident uh earlier uh, last month i think and uh, just totaled his car and it's just a uh, so they they covet your prayers i to be out and once i got there the car is in his uh garage or his driveway and i just once seen it i could not believe that he walked away from it the airbags did not deploy at all and he rolled over three times and landed on a fire hydrant on the opposite side. So we're thankful that Lorenda wasn't with him because there was no way. I mean, he was bent in. Even his side was bent in, and I just couldn't imagine. But So we're very thankful. So mom definitely had to see him after that. So it worked out well in God's providence. And I thank you for listening to Connor and listening to his message. You did a wonderful job. I pray that you encourage by him. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Deuteronomy. We're going to begin our second message in that book. About eight weeks we're going to take of a total. We're going to be looking at chapters 1 through 3, so we're going to be going through this very quickly. Uh, in in relation to how we normally go through the Bible, but we usually just take a book of the Old Testament and do kind of a a survey of that book and look at how it fits into the redemption story of why it's there for us, why it's important for us. And so we're gonna look at chapters one through three. I pray that you read that. (coughs) Each week, check our Facebook page. If you're not on on our Instagram, make sure you like our Instagram because we put what chapters are in advance so you can have some time to read those. With that, go and take possession is the title. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and through 3. Edmund Burke, an Irish statesman and philosopher, famously once remarked that those who do not know history are what? Doomed to repeat it. I, 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 re, I believed everyone would understand and recognize that's very similar to many of us. But unfortunately, it seems that we are living through one of those moments today where we are forgetting the past we live in an age when history is being rejected or reinterpreted or reinvented wholesale before our very eyes the motivation and agendas behind this movement are myriad they're confusing they're contradictory but to succumb to that spirit of the age to to throw away your history to reinvent it or or to reject it or or to reinterpret it, is to fall into some of the same traps and dangers of those who have gone before us. Those in whose lives and through histories and circumstances we are to look at and consider and avoid. We're falling into those same traps and dangers. It is good to remember our history. Now you always know, history teachers always say that, right? That, that's, you know, that's what they do. But it's good to remember our history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And yes, if we're looking at American United States history, there is good, there is bad, and there's the ugly. Western civilization, Eastern civilization, the whole world. The Bible tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I also want to bring it down into more of a a, a micro. Is your life, your history, is filled with the good, the bad and the ugly is it not and for many of us we want to uh, reject our history our past we want to reinterpret it we want to reinvent it but what we need to recognize that really what god is calling us to do is to remember review and embrace our history and i'm going to give you a preview of where we're going because god is in the details of your history his sovereignty And providence is weaving through the tapestry of your story. This is similar to the theme of the book of Deuteronomy. As Moses prepares the Hebrew children to finally enter into the promised land, as Yahweh calls them to his covenant faithfulness. Now, two weeks ago, we finally arrived to the fifth book, of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It gives us the history of not only the world and creation, but also the redemption story begins there as God is planting and choosing a people from which the prince would come. It tells us and introduces us to the dragon. We do not see the girl as of yet in the story of the Bible, but yet it is starting to kind of take shape. They were written by Moses. Records the creation, the fall, and the beginning of the redemption stories or cha- chapters of the biblical story. As I said before, the major theme of the book is found in the three speeches or sermons you'll see here on the monitor. As Moses urges the Israelites to remain faithful in the covenant as they enter the Promised Land. This is important, as we're going to see, as God is wanting these men, these men, these women, these children. These families to remain faithful to the covenant of God as he begins to lead them through. In his final address to the children of Israel as they camped along the plains of Moab around 1400 years before Christ. It's going to consist of three speeches or three sermons. The book is divided into four main parts as Moses reviews their history. He reviews the law that God had given them. He reviews the term of the covenant and also gives his final words before his own death. Now this week we're going to consider the first part of Moses' first speech or sermon as he gives a new generation of of Israelites a historical review of God's faithfulness. He's going to give them a historical review of God's faithfulness through his gracious acts towards them. And that's what you and I, when we review history, review our our past, whether it's our nations, uh, civilization as a whole, or just even our own past, whether it's individually or your family, is what I want to teach you or encourage you to do is look at God's faithfulness in his gracious acts towards you, even during those times of suffering, difficulty for it's in those moments that God was with you the most let's read here Deuteronomy chapter 1 1 through 8 let's just start and read those first eight verses it says these are the words that Moses spoke to all the Israel beyond the Jordan and the wilderness in the Arab opposite Suf between Paran and and Tophil, Laban and Hazaroth and Dishab it is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. It's in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month, January to February in our calendar. Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in the commandments to them. And after he had defeated Shion, the king of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon and Og, the king of Bashan who lived in Aseroth and in Edrei beyond the Jordan and the land of Moab, Moses undertook. And now underline this, because this tells us what's about to happen in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses undertook to explain the law. Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowlands and in the Negev and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See in verse eight, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob and to give to them to their offspring after them. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your love towards us. Lord, as we just consider this portion of scripture, let us see the importance of remembering, of reviewing, of looking at our past, at our history. Help us to see the ways in which through our lives, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, you were always there. Father, even as non-Christians, when we were non-believers, Lord, you were working our life. Let us see that. Let us embrace that. and may it lead us as it should lead these Israelites to take possession of what you've called us to do. I pray that you' would grant us your time here. Lord, let us use it wisely, let us speak wisely, listen attentively, and Lord, that you may be glorified. We praise in Christ's name. Amen. Are you guys hearing me, OK? OK, we're very good. Well, so far in the history of Israel, found in the Pentateuch. Moses has covered the events of the Exodus from Egypt, the giving of the covenant at Mount Sinai, the constant rebellion and murmuring and complaining of the Hebrew children to the 40 years of wandering. And now here we are with a new generation. Now this generation is now ready. They're ready to enter into the promised land. You may recall from our study that they have been traveling for 40 years due to their parents' reluctance and refusal to trust God and obey, to go into the land uh, of the promised land. They were too big. They were fearful. They succumbed to the fear of the 10 spies and the bad report of the land. And they were condemned to wander for about 40 years until each and every one of that generation had passed away. So here we are now, 38 to 40 years have passed. And the children of the former slaves of Egypt have grown. And now they're eager to finish that final leg into the promised land. These are the children of those original Hebrew slaves that we read in Exodus. They're ready for something new and different. Now Moses has been informed by Yahweh that he himself will not be able to enter the land. You remember that? He struck the rock instead of speaking to it to bring forth water from our study from last year. So he himself knows that these last moments is all he's going to have with this new generation. And he wants to encourage them. He wants to challenge them. He wants to strengthen them. He wants to give them direction. And so God allows him to give these three speeches or sermons to share with them what he can before he passes away. Now in verse 5 of chapter 1, we learn the occasion of the speech or is to remind the new generation of the, the law that was given to them and their fathers after they had left Egypt. He tells them that Yahweh has told them that after 38 years of wandering in the desert, that they had stayed long enough at the mountain. It was now time for them to go in and take possession of the land. In preparation for this action, Yahweh commands Moses to give them a history lesson that includes the promises, the blessings, even the rebellion, the judgment but also the restoration that displays and demonstrates the goodness and faithfulness of God. And remembering their history and reviewing their history, they're going to see the very hand of God in their life and in their nation. Now look with me at verse 8. As Yahweh reminds him of his great promises, chapter 1, verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Jacob or to Isaac and to Jacob and to give to them and their offspring after them. What what he starts off is he reminds them that God has not forgotten his promises that were given to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12 over 400 years before. Though over 400 years have passed, most of those contain uh, truly difficult times, including their enslavement by the Egyptians. But even still, the Lord is faithful during those years. The Next blessing is in the following verses. Moses recounts that after leaving Egypt, the people were so numerous that they could not handle all of the leadership and administration tasks and things that needed to do to govern them. Look at verse 9. Moses reminds him, at that time I said to you, I am not able to bear, you, bear uh, to you by myself. This was in Exodus, early in Exodus. Moses looked and said, I cannot handle this. The people are too many. The Lord your God has multiplied you and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of the heaven. Does that, does that phrase sound familiar to you? May the Lord your God, your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he promised you. Again, this points back to the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 15, 5, when Yahweh told Abraham to gaze at the night sky and promised, look towards heaven and number the stars. We were back in Illinois, as you know, last week, and one of the things that struck me is that I could see stars again. Not as many as I once, There's still the light pollution stains, but looking at the stars, I enjoy looking at the stars. I bet you uh daniel you probably see quite a few of them for where you've been it's just beautiful isn't it? it's just it's just amazing so many times it even seems to, to come closer to you and you can get lost looking at the stars this is look at the seven and number the stars if you're able to number them then he said to them as they looked at the stars so shall your offspring be what a promise! given to Abraham when he had no children. At that time, Abraham was getting his, his, uh, his life affairs in order. And the only one he could think to give all of his animals and his, and his livestock and all to was to his head male servant. But God took him out and said, no, he's not going to be the son of promise. So God reminds, look, this is what God has done in these 400 years. Yes, there has been difficult times. There have been famine. There has been droughts. You have been put in as slaves. Your children were killed. But yet, look it. God has increased your number. The Lord blesses them not only in number, but with godly men to lead them in their journey. We also see that he commands them to rule fairly and justly. In verse 16, this is so important. And I charge your judges at that time, hear the case between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. Now that's not speaking of someone from an interplanetary uh, uh, post. He's talking about those that are sojourners with them, those outside of the Hebrew children. You shall not be partial in your judgment. You shall hear a small, or you shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. In the case that's too hard for you, you shall bring it to me, God says, and I will hear it. The greatest God, uh, the greatest a righteous, just king says, I will hear those that are too hard. There's, there's a promise there of ruling and, and, and judging in righteousness. Yet even in the midst of these wonderful promises and blessings, you and I know that Israel rebelled against him, murmuring and complaining time and time again. Just going back to Numbers last year, you can recall how many times they complained and rebelled and God would answer and provide for their need only to fall once again back into rebellion. Their attitudes are abhorrent to God. And we see that he says in their tents, they, they murmured against him. Look at verse 27. With all these blessings that God had given them, look what they say. This is why they would not go into the, uh, the when, when they said, let's go into the land, look at what they said. They said, the Lord has hated us because he brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So look at what they're doing. They reject their own history. They reinvent their own history and they reinterpret it. In other words, instead of God hearing and seeing their, their, their cries in Egypt and delivering them, from 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 Pharaoh, from delivering them as they cross the Red Sea. These, these people want to say, no, no, we don't remember that. Really, God brought us out here just to kill us. And I think there's many of us sometimes that believe or think the same thing. When a thing, a circumstance comes in our life, and we think that God just must hate us. He's trying to destroy us, he's trying to make our life more difficult. We don't recognize that all these things come because God loves us and is working his way throughout us. Many today have that same attitude when we complain against God's providence and we doubt his goodness and his faithfulness. He reminds him in verse 29, look at that of chapter one, that Yahweh promised and he said, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord, your God who goes before you will fight himself, fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Remember what I have done. Trust in my faithfulness. Trust in my promises. In verse 31, he says, see what I've done in the wilderness. Where have you seen how the Lord your God has carried you as a man carries a son all the way that you went out until you come to this place? Yet in spite of this very word, you did not believe the Lord your God. And what's interesting, this is not in this portion of scripture, but just as an extra note, as they were complaining about this and about God wanting them to die, they were eating the birds that God was bringing to them. Each morning, they were collecting the manna that would magically appear on the ground. They were drinking water from a rock. They were wearing clothes and shoes that for 40 years had never worn out. It was not a Kmart Blue Special. All the time complaining about what God has not done for them. Or rejecting what he has, reinterpreting what he has done, reinventing new things that had never happened. The penalty, as you know, for this rebellion was that they would wander the desert until all but Joshua and Caleb were alive or were dead. Only they would be saved from an early grave due to their faith in God's promises. So for years, they wandered the desert aimlessly, just out of reach of the promised land. It was just over the hill, just over the rise, just another stream over. A land that was big enough for all of them. A land that was beautiful to live in as described by even the evil spies. It was bountifully able to fill and feed all of them, a place where they could serve Yahweh and, and for generations flourish. Moses reminds them that during their journey, after they had forgotten God and rejected his promises, he reminds them that their journey led them very close to the lands of their cousins, from the lineage of Esau, Jacob's brother, and Lot, Abraham's nephew two of the men that God had given them land that belonged once to other people. Moses shares how Yahweh gave Lot's children and Esau's children land that was filled with enemies as dangerous and as tough as those that Israel faced. They were also lands that were filled with giants. They were men of renown that were battle-hardened and strong, yet the Lord defeated each and every one, and gave them to people that were not of God's covenant, but yet God promised to take care of them. Look at verse uh, chapter 2, verse 25. In recounting their cousins' victories, this day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you, and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you the God who did that for people who were not his chosen people God is saying look I did it for them I will do it for you trust me these people will be fearful they will not want to face you this serves as examples of God's faithfulness they were not children of the covenant They were not God's chosen people. They were not the apple of his eye, but God is demonstrating through his good and gracious acts towards those who are not his children. He was saying, if I would do those for those that I do not love, what will I do for those I do love? Moses then reminds them of their victory over King Shion and King Og, two formidable kings on the east side of the River Jordan. This land God now gives to Reuben to Gad and part of the Manasseh tribes. However, those victories are once again short-lived as they rebel against Yahweh by worshiping Baal and adopting the customs of the people they had just defeated. We looked at that last year in the book of Numbers. You may recall that. It was only the pleading of Moses and the bold action of Phinehas who took a spear, remember, and shoved it through a man and a woman that prevented the wholesale slaughter of the children of Israel. God wants them to remember the good, the bad, and the ugly, for all of it plays a part in their story. Now Moses closes this part of his speech by sharing his final plea with the uh, Lord that he might be able to see the promised land. But just so we can close this chapter, Moses, look at chapter three. Verse twenty three, and I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, "O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Even in his prayer, he's remembering what a wonderful God he is. Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon." Remember, Moses was not one of the ten. He did not go out to spy that land. As far as we knew, he probably never once entered it during his 40 years before he became uh, the deliverer of the people. But the Lord was angry with me because of you. You would not listen to me. (laughs) He's reminding them, kind of sharing maybe a little bit of blame. And the Lord just said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Verse 27, go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your head, eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes for you shall not go over to this Jordan but charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he shall go over at the head of his people and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. Moses reminds them, I'm not going with you. To them, to these children, they have always known Moses as this great man. He probably was, was very revered. They probably uh, 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 would, would, would be quiet when he was around. It probably scared them because remember, Moses always had to walk around with a veil over his face after coming out of the tabernacle. This was a man that they had known was their leader all of their life he says I, i can't go he reviews for them why he's not able to go but then he also encourages them that the man who's been my right hand man joshua our battle commander will go with you and just as god has promised to strengthen me and help me lead you god is going to give you joshua follow him Now, chapters 1 through 3, they're going to serve to remind us of not only Israel, but also reminds us today of God's wonderful and great promises to his chosen children, along with the blessings that come from trusting and obeying his commands. This is for us, you and I, today we too can learn that God is, is gracious towards us. He wants to remind us of that. He wants to strengthen us and encourage us through that. But it also serves to remind us that judgment is reserved to those that disobey God, not even, even or not, not, not even, but even Moses. Yet at the same time, God reminds us that he's also forgiving and that he remembers his promises and he's willing to restore his children to their rightful place. Reminders are good. One of my favorite apps on my phone is the reminder app. I don't know if you have that. There are times I'm up one in the morning trying to type out what I think I need to do the next day. Now, it's always interesting when that timer goes off and I look at it and I think, what was I trying to say? You know, buy a vowel, you know. But reminders are good. We need them. You and I, most of our lives are marked by reminders. Those are what family traditions are. And By the way, I encourage you for those uh, as, as your family is growing or as you're beginning a family, think of those traditions that help remind the good, the bad, and the ugly. We tend to want to forget everything, but God brings them into our lives for a purpose. Now, at the, at the beginning of the message, we live in a world that wants to reject, reinterpret, and reinvent our history. Let's pull down statues, right? Let's, let's, let's change the name of this building. Let, let's change our history books. Let's look at all things different. You know? And this is now finding itself in the Christian colleges, especially like the Southern Baptists, in which they had many slave owners that, that built these things. The reason why they are in existence is so they could continue to propagate slave owning. Now, that's the ugly, right? But yet, to ignore those things, to deny those things, is to lose many of the very things that you and I hold dear. One of the most tragic things we read just last month, there was a survey for young people that were younger than 30, is most of them had never heard of the Holocaust, I don't know how you get through U.S. history or not U.S. your U.S. history and not know the Holocaust. I just don't understand. But it was like twenty to thirty percent of the people. And they don't know who Stalin is. They don't know who Lenin was. Not, not, not the Beatles, but the, the Soviet. Uh, you know, maybe they don't know who John Lennon is either. They, they can forget that. That's pretty good. But you can take that out, Tony, uh, off the thing. But they want to reject our founding fathers due to their failure to live up to their own ideals about the dignity of every person and i would agree there is some failure in our founding fathers they failed to live up to their to the ideals in which they they proposed their principles so let's let's reject them uh, they want to reinterpret and reinterpret the principles and the foundations on which this country was built Let's get rid of this. The outcomes don't, don't meet our expectations. So, so let's just you know, reinterpret those what, those, what they really meant. And this is really what the Supreme Court is much. I don't want to get political, but this is really much it. Do, do you want to be one in which you, fight, you stay with the principles as they are? Or do you reinterpret it to meet whatever needs you want? There's a foundation thing going on. They want to reinvent our historical heroes and events as they see fit changing when the American was founded or changing the principles it was based on. Now, most, most of this is some things that we need to discuss, the good, the bad, the ugly. And we need to understand it. And when I say embrace it, it doesn't mean that we compromise or say that it was good, but we must understand it for what it is and let it inform us as we move forward. Most of this is normal. This reinterpreting, this, this rejecting and re- uh, reinventing. Most of this is, is normal. As each new generation rises up, they find fault with the former, right? You, you complain about your fathers and your grandfathers. We all do this, right? And we find that the past is incompatible with the new philosophies, the agendas and the values that we now hold and that is normal. But yet we still must come and, and speak of it for that's where we judge and we hold the standard. We are quick to reject and condemn what we do not like or what we do not understand. However, as Edmund Burke observed, we must remember our history and we must remember it correctly. Not making excuses for it, but letting it just be for what it is and try to understand it and put it into context and learn from it. Through our history, this country, through your family's history, your life, and your life's history, it has been difficult. Your life, our history's life, has, or our country's life, has been filled with suffering. And most of us would love to forget it all and start over. Many people are trying to do that even today. Remembering our past, though, has a purpose. Let me share with you three ways. That remembering our past has a purpose. Number one, it strengthens us when times are difficult. It's during those times that are difficult that you and I must remember God's love for us, especially during those difficult times. God has promised, as you see in Romans 8:23, that we know that. All thing, that, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I know as I say that, there are many of you that have lived lives that are more filled with suffering than I could even imagine or understand. And you want to forget it. You want to reinvent it. You just want to put it aside. But let me share with you, you must never forget for God's hand is even in the midst of the suffering that you went through. We must understand that. For that strengthens us as times are difficult. Because you will face more difficult times. And God says then that should strengthen you. He got through me before he will get me through again. In the same way, he tells us to comfort those with the comfort we receive. Many of you have gone through things that others are going through, and we need to encourage others. You need to seek out those people and say, how did you make it? If you made it, if God helped you, then would God do the same for me? I encourage you, yes, he will. So it strengthens us when times are difficult. Number two, it warns us of the dangers of doubting God. Many of us doubt God's goodness. We wonder where he's at. We feel that we're all alone. That he's he's abandoned us in our suffering, in our difficulties. Or we rebel against his word. We're not satisfied with what he's called us to do. Paul writes concerning the events of the Old Testament in 1 Corinthians 10.6. He says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. They serve as cautions and roadblocks. And do we not do that with our children or with others when we counsel them? Listen, I tried this and you're not, this is not a good way to go. However, you and I, instead of learning from the mistake of others, want to do trial and error ourselves. Why should you learn by your own mistakes when others have done that? We become so proud, so boastful, that we do not want to take advice. We do not want to learn. But it warns us of the dangers of doubting God, for there are times in our lives when we have, have we not? And it hasn't fell well for us. Number three, it sets us on the right path. It sets us on the right path. It sets us on the right path forward, pointing us to keep our eyes on the things that are important. As you and I go through life, many times we take our eyes off of Christ. We take our things off the the blessings and the promises of God. That's what Israel continued to do. Take your Bibles, if you would, to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We saw this a little bit earlier in our scripture reading, but I wanted to go over it once again. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews encourages us. In chapter 12, this follows immediately after the hero hall of faith, where God speaks of Moses and Abraham, speaks of Gideon and Samson and David, Daniel, all those who were men that you and I would look for, up to and say, these are men that we want to be like. I want to emulate uh, uh, them in my life. He says, since we are surrounded in verse one by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also run aside or lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I'll take a moment, what's clinging closely to you? What is diverting your eyes from the promises of God, from seeing God's hand in your life up to this moment? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, looked towards the cross, endured the cross, despising the same and now the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our past, our history, reminds us to keep our eyes front was at front and center. For there are times in our past when we have not and we went astray. And there has been other times where we have been faithful, that God has been faithful to us. God is faithful, by the way, whether we sin or or whether we we obey him or not. God is always faithful. He's unchanging. By the way, that's one of the attributes of God. We will look at that in the next coming weeks. So make sure that you're there for that. To remember our history is to give credence. Now, listen to this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. To remember our history, to remember our history, to embrace it, to bring into memory, to dwell, not to dwell on it, but to consider it as we go forward is to give credence to the sovereignty and providence of God. To remember our history is to give credence to the providence and sovereignty of God in our lives. Turn to Psalms 135. And in this passage, if you would, oh, you're probably writing. In this passage, one Psalms 135, you can just write it down then. The psalmist rightly sings of the power of God as he declares that all things are from him. In verse 5 of Psalms 135, verse 5. He says, for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. So just consider that. The good, the bad, and the ugly in your life, here's a strong word, you're not going to like it, that pleased God. Now that makes me take a step back and think. My worst moment of my life pleased God? Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. It is. It is he, in verse 7, who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses these are tough words. You know, Don and I, again, we went back to Illinois. And one of the things we've always enjoyed, now our kids grew up in Illinois. How old were you, Emmy? Eight. So, you know, Brandon was sixth grade, sixth grade. Th- so he was 11. Th- he was 13. So they don't remember all and recall all of it. But every time we go, we do what parents do. Hey, there's where I went to school. Hey, there's that store I used to go like to when I was a kid. Oh, hey, this is the house where you were born at. Oh, by this way, this is the way where you broke your arm, Brandon, and so on and so forth. And now Jake and Lorenda live there. And they live in a neighborhood. We, we didn't live too far. He lives, we drive by, the, by, the, by Swedish American. Oh, hey, that's where all of us were born at. Don, me, you, everyone, we were born at this hospital. Oh, you see that school there? That, that, that was built in uh, Lincoln Middle School. That was built in 1920. We're doing all these things. And he's, yeah, dad, yeah, dad. And you know, what was cute is one time he tried to tell us how to get somewhere. I said, yeah, Jake, I, I kind of know the city. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things is he's getting to learn it and he's excited about it. His memories now are going to be different from when he was younger. His memories are going to be different. But there's some things that we like to go and share. Hey, there's a Sam's Pizza right down the street from his house. That was the greatest thing in the world. But we used to live uh, several blocks from where he is now. And Non and I, as we were driving in and around, we said, well, let's go buy our old house. You ever do that? You just want to drive by and see your old house? And this place was a dump we lived in. It was terrible. It was awful. Uh, we found up some terrible things. The, the back porch, when we left, we saw that the back porch had a whole back porch. It was a two-story with a, with a limestone basement, but the, ba- the whole back, back room... As I left, one time we, we, we landed, or, or no, it wouldn't be landed. We ran and knocked a ball underneath there. So I got underneath there to get it. And I noticed that the whole back end of the house was jacked up on a car jack. And that would have been holding up for those three years that we've been living there. This place was something else. But we were thankful for it at the time. I remember when we first moved in, when we looked at it, we were like, this is great. It had a great chandelier. We bought it. We rented it just because it had a great chandelier in the front room. The place was just by the time we just, we think we found out it had several fires. But as we're driving there, we're getting ready to go around the corner. Like what shape will this be? And as we're driving, we're both looking at it and something looks different. I don't recognize it. And it all of a sudden hit on me is that that whole neighborhood had been torn down and dug out and replanted as grass. It took us a few moments to realize the whole neighborhood's gone. Well, the houses were over 120 years old. Uh, it was over 100 years old when we were renting it. But it's like, where is that? And, but there were some good memories still there. You know, that's the place we were living. And, and I remember Brandon being there and, and Jake, he was born there. So Brandon broke his arm and, or his wrist or one of the things. But yet there's a lot of good memories there. And as we go through life, we can do the same thing with all sorts of things. The whole point is that there's something behind everything that you remember. One of the things I remember of that place, and I know I'm going long on this, but it's always been a word of encouragement to Don and I, and we've shared it with our children multiple times, is when we were living in that house, things were really tough. (coughs) And Don and I were were, were trying to be faithful in giving. I was just working a little job at the time, (coughs) and I don't think Don was working at the moment there. And I think we did, was was it with Brandon or with Jacob with the diapers? Was Jacob? So it was tough. Brandon was three, so he was out of them. Jacob was just born. Uh, and, and we were coming. And it was a Wednesday night. And it was the night that I had to give the, the tithe. <coughs> and Don and I were, were struggling. Well, should we give our tithe? Should we give it? And Don and I said, we, we've been really faithful the last few months. We really need to do it. We're out, we're out of diapers. We were, he had his last one on, I believe. Or maybe we had one more after that. And so at the end, we said, well, let's just go and we'll just trust God. Right before we get ready to leave, Don's mom comes over. Now, Don's mom's hardly ever came over to her house. But she comes over and she has a package of diapers. And so we're just so thankful. But yet, then she leaves and Don takes him out. <coughs> and wouldn't you know, it's the only, only type of diaper that Jacob was allergic to. We go to church, we might have one diaper. Maybe that's all he has. But Don says, well, she gave me the receipt. Let me take it back and get the kind he wants. So Don takes it back. We give our offering that night. Don takes it back to Walgreens or whatever store it was. She comes back home. She's smiling. I said, did you get the diapers? She goes, yeah. She's holding up two. The pair that Don's mom got were expensive. We were able to turn in that one and get two packages of diapers. You remember that? I mean, that, is, that was a big moment. Now, it sounds simple to you, but to a couple that was struggling, and struggling with trying to give, that was one of those good, bad, and ugly moments that turned out good. And I have never forgotten that simple thing because God is good. He is gracious even during the difficult times. And we've used that story with the youth. We used it with our children when we taught about giving to God, trust God, we've given it to... I probably shared it with you and I've just forgotten that, that I had. But it's one of those moments where God was there for us and to be honest i can give you many more of those i wish we had more time to hear testimonies because we need to share those moments with others because some of you've been through more ways in which god has blessed you much more than just giving you two things of diapers but let me tell you when you have a little baby that's important (coughs) They are filled with many good times bad times and ugly times let me give you this. Let me take a drink real quick. Sorry about that. Our histories, our pasts, just like the Israel children, are filled with many good times, bad times, and ugly times. But they're also filled with promises and blessings. And yes, even judgments from God. Yet, All of these, get this, yet all of those, the promises, the blessings, the judgments, the restoration, point to the faithfulness of God to his chosen children. Moses understands this through the working of the Holy Spirit as he writes these words and speaks them to the children of Israel. He wants this new generation to understand this is what your parents went through. Do not be like them when they failed to trust God. Parents, your most important job is to share this and teach your children these things, the faithfulness of God when they don't have the clothes that everyone else has, when they don't have the laptop or the iPad that everyone else has, remind them of the goodness of God. If you're living in a place that you'd rather not live in, remind them of the goodness of God. For his gracious acts have been with you since the moment he gave you life. Yet even with that knowledge, you find yourself this morning struggling with the same attitudes of the Israelites. Fear and doubt, murmuring and complaining, rejection and rebellion. We too are guilty of, re- of rejecting, reinterpreting and reinventing our past, Either by forgetting the goodness of God towards us or by denying his goodness towards us. There's an old song called Count Your Blessings. It's, it's here on the monitors. Love this old song. Anyone know this song, by the way? There's a few of you. I won't sing it. I'll spare you that. But he writes, When upon life's billows you are tempted, tossed. When you're discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does that cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Well, count your many blessings, every doubt will fly and you'll keep singing as the days go by. When you look to others or at others with all their lands and gold, and you think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold, count your many blessings, money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether it's great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to the journey's end. Closes, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Let me close with this. What is keeping you from taking possession of the promises of God? Go and take possession of that which God has given you. He has given you life. So live it abundantly through him. Whatever it may be, whatever is keeping you from taking possession, remember God's faithfulness through his gracious acts towards you. I want to close here as the worship team begins to come up in in our pastor's prayer. I'm going to close with this charge from the Apostle Paul found in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved brothers, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works both in you, uh, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. towards you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just going to ask you to pause, to consider, and then take a moment to pray and respond to what we shared here this morning. Do you see the gracious and goodness and faithfulness of God in his hand, of his hand in your life? In the good, in the bad, and through the ugly. So embrace it. Don't try to reinterpret it. Don't reject it. Don't try to reinvent. Embrace and see the goodness of God and learn and grow in what he's called us to do. Father, we pray that you'd make us sufficient for such things. If there's any here that's struggling in their life with this, Lord, I pray that you just direct them to your word and may say, see the goodness of your hand in their life, that we may praise you and lead others and direct others to you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help share the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.